closer to heaven and the day that the Lord is going to come for the second time. What do you think about that? Yes, yes that's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, I don't want to stay here forever. I don't want to stay here forever. I want to go to heaven, even if it's going to be for a thousand years and then coming back. I want to go up there. I know it's going to be much better. We all are going to look much better too. You know that? Nobody said anything about that. Boy, you have to be positive. Because God is going to give you a new body. Yeah. Nobody said anything. Amen. Wow. Good. You know what? Let's open our Bibles in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we are going to read a few verses before we go for communion. Because today is a special day. Communion day. And as the first Sabbath for this year, we are going to celebrate communion for a good reason. We want to start the new year with the right step, right? Doing it right. Let's read chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. I'm going to read verse number 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard may say in the presence of my witnesses and trust to, re to relieve, sorry, to reliable Men who will also be qualified to teach others. I'm going to start with those two verses. And that's only the introduction to what I want to say today for you and me. First of all, how many of you know a little bit about Timothy? Anybody know a little bit? Just raise your hand, your right hand. Why not? Right hand. A little bit. Do you know a little bit about him? I mean, I'm not saying if you know the person because I know he's already dead. I know you already know something about him because you probably read something about him or maybe you went to a, to a Bible commentary or something. So how many of you know a little bit about Timothy? How old do you think he was? He was young or he was old? Young, old? He was young or old? He was young. He was young probably as Jim here. He was young, maybe as my brother here, or maybe as my other brother here. He was young as this girl, Jessica, sorry. As Jessica here, do you think she was, I mean, he was young as probably her or him? Or? He was young. The Bible doesn't really mention how young he was, but he did have some issues, seems to be, not with his person, but some issues around him with people with church, some issues. Even First Timothy, when you read First Timothy, you are going to find many things that he's supposed to be of being aware to confront those issues. And in this chapter, chapter number two, starting in verse, and sorry, in chapter number one, is about more about Paul telling him, hey, I want you to remember, I want you to just think about something. So let me write this to you. And that's why he starts in number two, you know, after finishing number one, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he continues, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. He's kind of like saying all the things I have teach to others, including you, who I know you are reliable to tell it to others, just listen and be careful what I'm going to tell you. It's a message not only for young people 
And it's not only for, if you want to call yourself all, I will prefer not to call yourself all. If this is a message for all of you and me, for all of the members of the Orange Church or the, or the Seventh-day Adventist Church, this is a present message for you before communion. Let me tell you this, verse number three. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. He's trying to make him aware of who he really is. Yes, you are going to confront problems. Yes, you are going to have issues in life. Yes, you are going to have issues in your family, at work, at church. You are going to have many issues, but you have to remember who you are. And he uses a perfect example. Paul is good using examples. And he used as a soldier. And if you are a soldier, he says, you do not worry and you, don't not, I mean, and you do not pay attention to any of the old civil issues that happen up there. And the one things that happen up there, you know, you just ignore them because you only serve one person. And you only want to please one person, the commander officer, the one who is up there, the one who sent you, and that's Jesus Christ. That's a perfect example. You know, I, I, I always, myself, at first, I always struggle at first in thinking how, you know, soldiers can go different places and do what they have to do without even thinking twice. And me, who am just a regular civilian, I'm thinking, why do they do that? Don't they think that it's wrong or don't they think that it's not right or don't they think that they have to produce in some other way? But the answer is simple. They are following orders. They do it because they have one who said, you go and do this thing, and they follow orders. Now, can you imagine going around? Can you imagine, I mean, I've never been a soldier before. We have some veterans here, I know that. Can you imagine just going around, and you are ready to do your duty, whatever you are supposed to be doing, and you start hearing what everybody else is saying. Hey, you know, look at that, that soldier. I mean, he's sure you're a soldier. Hey, are you going to do something about it? Hey, look, I mean, can you start just hearing all the gossiping or whatever you want to hear around? And you pay attention to that. She said, you know what? I'm not going to do this job. I'm going to leave everything behind. I'm going to go back home. How many times you hear something like that happening? Jim is here saying, no, you don't hear that. You don't care. You follow orders, right, Jim? You do that. You don't hear to anything around you. You follow orders. So he used a perfect example to remind Timothy that you have been sent by Jesus Christ, that you have been sent by God to do a job. But not only that. He also continues, Paul, by saying to Timothy, Verse number five. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, as a uh, athlete, thank you, as an athlete, okay, he does not receive the victor's crown unless the co he competes according to the rules. He's not going to receive any crown if he doesn't follow the rules. 
Is that fair? What about if you just go to the Olympics, the ones that are coming soon to be, I'm just being aware that they are, you know, well, last year they started saying this thing is coming, is coming. I like the Olympics. And I know it's going to be in the snow and some of you are coming from, you know, Latvia, they have a snow, right? I know there's going to be some Latvians that are doing the snowing thing and going down. And, you know, I have this channel now with a digital, digital thing. You get free channels, extra channels. That's a good thing. I don't pay anything. Even that they have this commercial and Fox saying that something, well, you are aware of that. Who cares about that? But, and you see this, 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 I mean, these men and women just going, and you see them going down with the, with, with, with the skis, and you can see their legs kind of like, I feel like, man, just a couple, you know, a couple hundred feet going down. I'm going to be like, <laughs> you know, my leg, but they're good. Now, what about if some of them, before they go down, they take something that they pump up the energy called some kind of drugs that they use. Is that fair to say they are really winners? If at the end they make it better than anybody else? The rule says that you don't take anything toxic in your body, so you are going to be pumped up, so you're going to be some, you're going to have some extra energy, or you're just going to be some superman or superwoman, and you're going to make it faster than anybody else down there. Because the rules are clear that you don't do anything like that. So if you really want to be someone, a good sportman, you know, doing good sportsmanship and all of that, you need to follow the rules. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. You probably are thinking, Pastor, so are we now uh, athletes, you know, who follow the rules? Yes. Paul is telling him and he's telling you that you are not just like a soldier, but you are also like an athlete. You do the things you are supposed to be doing by following the rules. Which rules are those? When you study the Bible verse, many people think, oh, those are the Ten Commandments. It's not necessarily talking about the Ten Commandments. Because Paul is not necessarily talking there about the Ten Commandments. But you're following the rules by which he is going to even say, this is what I do. I'm going to read in a few minutes, in a couple minutes. But he is talking, many people think, about those rules that you as Christians are supposed to be following, like loving your neighbor, forgiving your neighbor, having grace one another, opening your house to others, Etc. and more and more. Those are rules by which you and I, Christian people, Adventist people, brothers and sisters, we play by. We don't play around with rules like going around saying, hey, how are you? You know, look at you, looking good. You turn around and say, man, he looks so bad and disgusting. Those are not rules that you play fair around. Those are not the rules that God wants you to play by. Don't play by those, by, by those rules, especially when you are going to do communion. Play fairly. Do your sportsmanship in life, your spiritual sportsmanship. Do it right. Follow the rules. 
Now, when you apply those rules, when you apply those rules, then communion becomes to be, oh, wow, uh, wow, it's not as easy as I thought it's going to be. I just go there and take something to drink, something to eat. My sins are forgiven. I'm going to keep moving in my life. It's not just like that. You and I are good athletes, soldiers of the Lord. But you know what? Paul also keeps saying in verse number six, he also said, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive, to, to receive a share of the crops. And I'm going to tell you something. He's not using now this as an example of who you should be. At first, he said, you are kind of like a soldier, similar to a soldier. You are like a, like a sport machine, like an athlete. You, know? you are like that. But then after finishing that, he brings up the farmer's picture. and said, you know what? Now he's saying, you are like a farmer only if, only if, listen to this. I'm going to read it again. Verse number six. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop. The hardworking, the one who works hard and trying to follow in the things that he's saying. The one who works hard and trying to be the soldier and faithful one. The one who tries to work hard and trying to follow the rules should be the one who should be receiving the benefits of doing the right things. Because when you are a farmer, well, here is easy maybe. If you work at home, yeah, you go to Home Depot and buy some stuff. But when you go in the big, you know, in the big uh, fields, you have the machinery, I mean, all of that. But when you go back to my country, you have only the bull pulling something. You're there, old, you know, you don't even have shoes. Only with your barefoot doing the whole thing. You wake up early in the morning. You go to bed really late. Your feet looks really disgusting and dry. How testy, isn't it? Really disgusting and dry. And then let's imagine you have to wash that person's feet. Ugh. The farmer who works hard is going to receive something in benefit. You become to be that farmer if you work hard. I become to be that farmer if I work hard trying to follow what Paul is saying. You are a soldier. Remember that. You are an athlete. Remember that. After that, he said, verse number eight, remember Jesus Christ. Sorry, number seven. Reflect in what I'm saying for the Lord will give you, you insight into all of this. Reflect. Don't take it lightly, what I'm saying. Reflect. You know, when you have to reflect, you know what you have to do? You have to do this. Stop. Whatever you're doing, stop. Everybody, hey, hello. Stop. What is he screaming at me? Because I want you to stop. Reflect what he wants you to think. If you don't stop, you are never going to reflect. If you're going to keep driving and thinking, you know, I'm going to keep doing my thing because I know I can. No, you have to stop and reflect. Because God wants to tell you something today. 
He wants to send you a message today for the 2010. He wants for your soul to be prepared for the 2010 and 11 and 12 until the day Jesus comes for the second time. But you have to stop. Working hard is not going to give you time to think. Studying hard is not going to give you time to think. Watching movies all day is not going to give you time to think. You have to stop and come into church and just be talking around. It's not going to give you time to think. Stop and think what the Lord wants for you. And here is what he says also. Verse number 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Isn't that awesome? He's giving you all this beautiful introduction about all the things. Hey, this message is for you. You are like a soldier. You are like an athlete. If you work really hard, you're going to be like a farmer. And you're going to gain something from that. Now, I want you to pay attention. Hello. Stop. Because the next thing that I'm going to tell you, you have to remember. Remember Jesus Christ who raised from the dead. And also who is a descendant from David. He's even saying there that the only one who raised from the dead by, by himself must be God. He said, he. The one who is a descendant from David must be human. He said, he. That's something real. He's trying to explain to Timothy, I'm going to tell you, the person that, rise from, I mean, that raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, and the person who is coming from David, Jesus Christ, he's human and he's God. He's one who came to die for you and me. And he wants you to pay attention to that. He wants you to remember because we forget many times. You know, the title for the sermon today is A Necessary Reminder. And you know, that title came because sometimes I receive emails uh, uh, Susan sent an email the last time I said, a friendly reminder, right? A, a gentle reminder. Some other people said friendly reminder. I mean, I have these reminders. And then, you know, when you, even, even pastors, when, when, when they have the Bibles here, you know, they use uh, stickies like this. I noticed that. Some of them, they do like, okay, this is my note here. They say they work right there. And then when I move from there, I'm going to move right here, and they're like that, like moving their notes. Okay, that note says that, so I move to it. Those are reminders for you to go someplace. And sometimes we even use, you know, the, whatever phone you use to do, you know, your reminder, I have a meeting, okay. There is a meeting, I have a meeting right here. Okay, uh, the birthday of my, of, my, of my friend is that day, right here. And then you just go around and you start moving around. And you know, the birthday for my little girl that I forgot all the time is right here. And then the birthday for, 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 for my elder is right here. And then I have an appointment with my brother. He kills me if I don't show up. And then I have another phone call that somebody called me. If I don't call, right here. And you keep putting reminders everywhere and everywhere. And you go around looking like a Christmas tree. But the time is the 25th. You are Merry Christmas. And you have reminders all over you and me. We have reminders. 
Because we don't remember. And why we don't remember? Not because we forget. It's because we have many things to do. We have right way too many things to do. Too many things to do that we need to have reminders. Some people even have the blessing of having a secretary, which I have one, having a secretary, but that secretary, you know, you find, you call, hey, can, can you do this thing? Uh, just talk to my secretary. She's going to remind me. That. Oh, well, that's nice. That's nice. I have something like that similar when people said, Pastor, we want to eat together. Oh, no problem. Patty, can you take care of that? Yes, honey, I take care of that. She's the one who takes care of it. She said, you know, we have to eat someplace. Oh, thank you. Reminders. We need to use as much reminders as we can. And here we have a reminder. Paul is saying, remember Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who came from heaven and came from men. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. This is, sorry, Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Why is he trying to say? Why is he trying to, to make me remember about Jesus Christ who is God and also human who died for me and he was resurrected? Why is he trying to make me remember that? Do you ever realize that? I'm going to tell you why he's trying to make you remember that. Let me add something to that. You see, he's jumping you to some point from being soldier, athlete, and all that, and, you know, a, a good farmer and doing all your work. Suddenly, he's, he's jumping kind of like this big whatever piece right here. He's missing something, and he jumped to the resurrection of Christ and all of that. And you think, why is he saying that I have to remember that? You see, that Christ came and was resurrected for a reason. He's resurrected to deceive, to, to just take down something that was all the time pointing at you and just, you know, just doing this thing and just bugging you all the time, like, like, I'm sorry, let me bug you a little bit, just like that, you know, like going, why not, like that, you know, even him, he's like, oh, what are you doing, you know, like, something that is bugging, how do you like to be bugged by someone all the time, hey, how are you, hey, how are you, don't you have sometimes those friends, they go around, hey, who, how are you? I mean, can you just stop? You can talk to me without being hitting me all the time, no, 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 I like you, I like you, it's not about that. Seems to be that he jumps something in between to try to show me that this God came to be resurrected to deceive something. But that doesn't make any sense if we don't add the missing piece in the middle. And the missing piece in the middle is what we are going to be doing today. Today. Because when I read the Bible and look, chapter 22 Verse 14, I read something like this. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Number 19. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, give it for you. Do this, and what? In remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup, this is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of, the hand of him who is going to betray me is with me and the table. The Son of Man will go as he has been uh, decreed, decreed, but hold to that man who betrays him. All of that. And before that, he says, you are going to be doing, you are going to be eating, you are going to be drinking. All of this in remembrance of who? Me. Here we have Paul giving you all these examples. Suddenly, he says, remember Jesus Christ who was, who was resurrected. And you're here thinking, so he was resurrected. What's the big deal? I'm going to tell you what's the big deal. That when you drink the wine, that when you eat the bread, that when you accept the sacrifice of Christ, you are going to realize that you are a sinner. And this section makes sense. Before that, won't make any sense because you think you can handle everything. Because you think you are good. Because you think you are not a sinner. You don't have any abnormality with you. Look, I have 10 fingers, 10 more on my feet. Oh, I have, a, I mean, I am a normal person. Let me tell you, brother and sister, we need to be reminded. We need to have a necessary reminder that we are sinners, that we need to take that blood of Christ, that we need to take that bread that represents the body of Christ, that we need to have that communion with him so we can be rejoiced in the resurrection of Christ. They both go together. You cannot separate them at all. You cannot say, oh, he's resurrected, so I'm saved. No, you need to accept his sacrifice. You need to accept that he came because you are a sinner. I am a sinner. I am, and I am the worst of all the sinners. Isn't that what Paul said? Look at me, I am the worst of all of them. Maybe he was trying to send a message to everybody else. Guys, if I don't say that, everybody is going to say, if Paul is good, I'm good too. If Paul is really, look, all the things Paul does, man, I must be good because I do more things than he does. This is not about that. You are a soldier. You don't look around for civilian gossip. You don't look around for civilian doing. You look up and you follow his orders. You are an athlete. You follow the rules. But more than that, one of those rules one of those things that he told you and he told his disciples to do was to do this, communion, bread and wine. You are going to do this in remembrance of me. 
And it's not something easy to do. It's not something, what I mean easy, like saying, uh, just do it, it's really easy. I just come, drink it, and I go home. It's not that. It's not something that you're just going to come and do it, and that's it. As a Christian, as an Adventist, whew, anyway, I have the truth, the, the true message. I got it. I'm safe already. I keep the Sabbath. Why do I need that? Because we are all sinners. We all need that. We need to remind, we need to be reminded who we are. We are sinners, brothers. And we all need Christ. We all need to be forgiven. And if Christ was saying, you know, when you go to funerals, and I know many of you have been in different funerals, when people talk something good about the person that dies, usually after the person dies. You notice that? They go up front and they say all these beautiful things, and that's wonderful. And sometimes we even remember the last words of the person who was dying. And we bring, and, and we bring those last words to the memory, I mean, to the memorial, and we say, you know, I remember these last words that she or he said. Well, these are Christ's last words for you and me. Before, after this, he went to, the, to, to Gethsemane and was, you know, take it to be dead, to be crucified. And all. This was his last words to you and me. Remember me. Remember me. Don't forget what you have to do. Don't forget why I came from, I mean, for here. Don't forget why I did my sacrifice for you. Don't forget who you are. I love you so much that I came to die and to clean you from all of your sins. My sins. In Spanish or English, they are all the same. My sins. Your sins. That's why we have this. You know what? I want to praise the Lord. Not because it's Sabbath today, even that I praise the Lord because it's Sabbath, but not because of that. I want to praise the Lord not because I'm here in this church. I want to praise the Lord not because I have my family. I want to praise the Lord not because I have my kids or I have anything else in life. I want to praise the Lord because right now I have the opportunity to do that. Communion. And I wish you could also be part of communion today. Not because as your duty, you have to do it. Not because you as a seven-day Adventist, you follow that and you do it. Nothing to do with that. You do communion because you know who is Christ and what he did for you. He has done so many things for you. 2009, when I heard Dave asking, how many of you are happy 2009 is over? Some of you says, yes, it's back. Well, it is back. But what about adding to that communion? Then all your sins are really back. Like, forget it. It's back. You don't remember those sins anymore because they're back. How about that? Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want to start clean again? God is good. God is good.
Remember who you are. You are a soldier. You are an athlete. You are a son of God, a daughter of God. He came here to die for you. You are precious. But now, even that you are a sinner, even that you commit all the sins that probably nobody else knows, even all those sins that nobody else knows, he does. And he's willing to clean your life again from all those sins. So I want to invite you at 1210. I know, 1210. At 1210, I want to invite you to the rooms that we have here in the back. We have a few, a, a, a few rooms. And I'm going to tell you, you're a visitor, you are welcome to do it. The families can go here to this room behind this glass right here. You can go this door. That's the junior room. You can go there and wash your feet. Men, we have in the patio. Sometimes you are single. Sometimes you are not single, but you want to say, hey, I want to go with men. That's fine. In the patio, we're going to have a place for you to wash your feet. If women are going to be in the collegiate room, more cozy and nice, and they have sofas and all that, that room is for you. Take your time to wash your brother's feet, your sister's feet, and come back to this church right after that and sit in the pews that you're going to see a nap in each one of them. You see this wooden nap right here? Someone's are missing. This one is missing, but still it's a hole right there. You're going to be sitting in those pews with a hole or a nap. Any of those. So we're going to start serving communion. And we can leave this place thinking that God has been merciful with us, each one of us. So this is the moment. Brothers and sisters, deacons, you can start leading people wherever they have to go. God bless you.